0: Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. We're joined in studio by a man who had 200-plus penalty minutes in back-to-back years, was the captain of the new Westminster Bruins, went off to play for UBC, got sucker-punched by uh, Brian Maxwell when he was an assistant coach, and Maxie was the head coach and Spoke. And somehow he ended up in a situation where he's got the fourth largest book in the National Hockey League of clients in terms of dollars, according to Puckpedia. In studio, the Sports Corporation's Jerry Johansson, he's our Oilers now headliner for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It's the best you've ever tasted, search for Wilhock W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. All right, Jerry, i got to ask you the question. So how do you go from being an assistant coach to being an agent? Like
1: what were the sort of transitional steps on the journey along the way? Well, to make a long story short, I guess I was assistant coach then Bob McCammon got hired. So Bob McCammon worked for the Oilers and and uh, he was our general manager. So I became his assistant. I wasn't on the ice anymore, but Bob was a great influence on Scott Bonner and I. Yeah. We basically did all the work. I mean, under his direction. He was a funny man. He was great. He he, talked about personality and, and charm and he had style and things I never had really, you know, seen up close before. Right. Wore a suit, drove a Mercedes. And anyway, we worked for him and learned a lot. And then basically we all got fired, which we should have. And then I, was looking for a job, so I was literally in Lake Tahoe, trying to find a job, um, phoned about a newspaper job, because I loved newspapers back then, all the big, it was like the internet of today, all, all right. the rich guys were newspaper guys, so I phoned the girl at the front, she goes, no, we're not taking any more resumes, so I'm like, shit, I'll phone the publisher. <laughs> he goes, yeah, come on in, so I walk in. Let's go shoot for yeah. now Oh, shoot, sorry, yeah, <laughs> and uh, he, uh, he was going to hire me. He goes, I'll call you back. So I go back to my hotel. Scott Bonner calls me. This is before cell phones, obviously. And he goes, you need to go see Rich Winner in Edmonton. And I'm like, who's Rich Winner? He goes, you know Rich. He has Bill Lindsay. I go, or Voitech. I go, oh, yeah. So I don't know how I got to Edmonton, but I went up to see Rich. And meanwhile, the newspaper guy's trying to get a hold of me to hire me. And uh, Rich and I met for a day, and I think it took a day to hire me. And the next day, I was all of a sudden in the agency business.
0: There you go. Uh, so, what do you? What does a guy start in the embryonic stages of his, his agency career? Like, what did you? Were, were you supposed to find players for Rich? Were
1: you? What exactly were you doing with Rich? Because he initially had the Sports Corporation, right? Did he not? Or oh yeah, he had one of the biggest books all Europeans so though, pretty much. He had like Hashik and Bondra and. Just a ton of Slovak and Czech guys, Czechoslovaks at the time. Well, to give you an example, and this is sort of what I tell kids now, is he hired me on a Monday. The next day I drove up and met with Chris Phillips in Fort McMurray. So I knew every hockey player, where they lived, their parents' names. I knew everything. I just had no idea that it applied to the agent business. So my first guy I ever met was Chris Phillips, and I should have had him. Great family Great young guy. I just didn't. I was a little rusty back then. Right. So it's kind of like you know you know more than you think. And I think when you're young, you're always trying to think you need to be somebody different. Right. Instead of just truth, being who you were. Be more yourself. I tell our players that all the time too. Don't try to be somebody else. Just be more you. You yeah. know. And it it's it it, it makes sense. And when you're old and looking back.
0: All right, so you, you you come aboard with Rich. At what point do you come from a guy that like were you sort of in a service role for Rich at one point, or or were you fairly quickly unequal equal to Rich and out of the
1: out of that sort of transition? Take well, place? really, in our business, it's all about getting players, right? So yeah. you know, it, it. So for me, I didn't really think about the agent side. I just I just was figuring out how do I get players to hire me, and I knew a lot about the Western Hockey League, everything. And um, so really early on, I was lucky. Yeah, I probably had like six or seven first round picks in the first four. So, who years. were some of those guys? Oh, Jonathan Aiken, Dan Fote, uh, you know, Barrett Jackman. Um, just uh, we had a lot of guys early that uh, Lance Ward. So, we had I think Lance Ward, Dan Fote, and Jonathan Aiken was probably my first big year. There were three picks in the top 11. Right. So that those that's days, when hard nosed defensive defensemen were going higher in the draft. Yeah, right? If you were six four and could skate, yeah, you were getting drafted high. You yeah. know? and we've seen those trends change too. You know, like Andy Ference. I worked with him. I always just loved the way Andy played, but he wasn't a tall guy, right? But he went on to one of the great careers of everybody. So yeah, he was a hard nosed guy. Very much, he yeah. could look so, out for himself. And that's the other thing we've seen is these, you know, as everybody has, but living through the evolution of what teams are looking for and how the game's changed. And but there's some real consistency. Consistencies, regardless, but but the the style of play obviously affects you know.
0: So what are the consistencies when you're sitting there and you're going out there and you, you mentioned Scott Bonner. So Scott was the GM uh, for a number of years in Vancouver. So he's one of your talent evaluators that's out there in the Sports Corporation. He helps you, you know, sit there and identify a player at I don't know, say 13, 14 years of age. Are there certain reoccurring themes that successful players have? And as a result, agencies can be successful in terms of identifying players.
1: Yeah, they're, they are, and I will say one thing, too. Like, Scott Bonner and Manny DeSouza are critical. Like, when you talk yeah. about me being on a list or me being somewhere, there's no way I could do it without... Like, Manny's... I've worked together for 25 years. He negotiates 80% of our contracts. Okay. And Scott is just a... He's just a savant. He's a hockey, right. hockey guy. But there are consistencies. I mean, and they're pretty standard stuff, but you know it's really you know so unless you're a freak and there are a few of those but even those guys have a ability to be a little unaffected by adversity yeah. and by success to be honest with you right but they're just they have a toughness and a uh, sort of a they don't get rattled too easy they still have bad days and they still have trouble but it's just dealing with adversity and be able to continue to push through not question themselves, you know. And the, and the good players we've had that didn't make it struggled with that stuff. It's just, it's oh, really, it really uh, is an internal toughness.
0: I've asked scouts of this question uh, from an agency perspective. Give me a couple guys that you thought slam dunked. They're going to play eight hundred to a thousand games in, in the NHL. And they didn't get over hundred. That you thought, you know, were maybe first round picks in the bottom draft or first round picks in the NHL draft that you represented and ultimately didn't come to
1: fruition. I think you mentioned a couple of them there. Yeah, I mean, like, well, when Scott and I were, you know, Scott was working with him, Gilbert Brulé was, I represented him at the end of his career, just a fantastic player. Yeah. Like, a, like on par with Sidney Crosby at one time, arguably. Like right. Like, one, two, certainly Sidney was one, and, you know, Pavel Brendel is another that's, guy.
0: That's you know? the one for me. I saw him in, uh, with the Calgary Hitmen. I was working for Sportsnet. It was the first year of Sportsnet, like, 98, 99 that year, and he had two shorthanded goals, In like 25 seconds, and and I'm sitting there looking at that ranginess and the size that he had, and I was like... Oh my! Like this guy's big. He can skate. He walked on the one. He walked, they, and and they were playing. Uh, they were playing the Pats, and he walked two D on. The, they had two D on the power play. He was short-handed, and they had two two defense, and he beat them both and just scored a ridiculous goal. And then twenty seconds later, put it. I'm like, this was on a Saturday night. We had the Pats the next day, and I think it might have even been when Stewart got traded yeah. uh, out of right. So, mm-hmm. but anyways that that's a guy Pavel Brendel for me when I think of guys in the western league over the
1: last 30 years that I thought were going to have a better so definitely he would be up there for oh, skill wise skill wise for sure all the talent in the world but then you look at a guy like Johnny Boychuk one of my all-time favorite guys. He's going to make me buy him a golf game after this. Okay. But just, you know, he played in the minors, and he just worked at it and never lost his spirit. And And did they not move him to forward at one point? No, he was in Colorado. He's played forward. He got traded to Boston, won the defenseman of the year. I think it's the Eddie Shore Award in the AHL. Yeah. And then we struggled to get him a one-way, and then he got a one-way in Boston, and he was healthy scratch for, like, 20 games in a row. But never... Never got too down, never really questioned it, and then when the opportunity came, he just took advantage of it and never missed a game after that.
0: So is there an even-keeled approach that an agency, sh- I mean, is it something, that I think it works in your favor, like when I talk to management types and it's not just exclusively Edmonton around the league that we talk to, I mean, obviously you got a good relationship with Montreal, you got a lot of guys there, I mean, Price was there I say was there, technically still on the books, you got Brendan Gallagher there, Ian did some work for you over the years, and we all know know how uh fanatic Ian is in terms of uh, he was the uh strength and conditioning coach with the Vancouver Giants uh you got Slovkowski as well so you've you've got a pretty unique relationship is it different because Kent uses the GM and he's been in your chair as an agent does that does that make for a different sort of
1: relationship well very interesting like I had never met Kent before and the first time we met we got along right away first of all, he's really charming and yeah. energetic and really smart. And, uh, but I do think, you know, I think with teams there, I think people think we're trying to sell somebody something and that's really not the case at all. You know, everybody in hockey is an expert, so you're not, you're not selling anything. What you're trying to do is come to an agreement, whatever that means. And I think if you start from that perspective, we may disagree, but we're trying to come to an agreement and I think that sort of gets rid of all the fluff and stuff that people think you know and you really get down to business I think teams appreciate it we sure appreciate it when teams treat us like that
0: so what I noticed Jerry is we don't hear your name linked to a lot of contentious negotiations with players but you seem to get pretty good deals for your players, especially for guys that are 29, 30, 31. You're smiling. You get a lot of guys on seven or eight year deals at that stage, which many of the many of the guys listening to this show right now probably dream they could do something like you do. Or frankly, some of them might even dream of doing something like I do. And they know hockey and they know the game and they probably like sit there and go, how in the heck did he get that guy in a you know, seven year contract extension, 30 years of age? And you know, I, I I don't know if you're the smiling assassin or what's the case there, but but is is part of it that you come
1: from an amicable perspective instead of a confrontational perspective? Well, I think one thing is we do get into lots of fights, but we never talk about them. Like one of the great truths in life is don't talk about your problems because nobody wants to hear them. So when we have a problem and we have lots of them, we really do keep that tight. And you know, we talk about the we we talk about the good things and we talk about you know the victories of sorts or the, the the communication that worked out. But there is a lot of tension behind the scenes, and a lot of anxiety, and sometimes some hard words going back and forth. But, but that's really like inside the family. Like nobody needs to know that. And, yeah. And um, you know, it's it's really important. I think to, if you're going to build trust with people, you got to have a. If you're going to get into a, I can't say it, but a stern conversation, then you know that that's private. And uh, and afterwards, you can talk about how good it went. Yeah. It's better.
0: Uh, all right, so I asked you. You know, you, you mentioned Pavel Brendel as a guy that had a lot of talent that didn't. He was a fourth overall pick by the Rangers in the draft. Did you have a couple guys that completely exceeded everybody's? Exp- I mean, you got. I would think Braden Point was in a third round pick, or did you know that he might have that potential for upside to be a, a fifty goal
1: scorer one day in the National Hockey League? Well, that's a good question because when I'm working with young players, even our youngest players, which I have to say is probably the most fun thing I do now is working with the young guys. I never underestimate their upside because I've just had too many examples of guys like the Bear Jackmans or the Johnny Boychucks or the Braden Points that, or even in Carey Price who became a superstar, which you don't think. And so I think what we try to do is just, you know, keep our, just in, really get to know them, try to help them. And I'm never really surprised, but certainly Braden Point or, you know, if we've got lots of guys, Colt Pareko, you know, never drafted John Ludvig in Florida. Who's going to be, he was a really good player. We'll hear more about him in the next little while, but we have those guys sort of all the time that come up. And, but when you see their character and you see the work they put into, and they're, they have a real uh, strength of character. You're, you're pleased, but not surprised.
0: Uh, you talked about how the game changed. You played in a time in which there were a lot of six foot three, six foot four tough guys. There was a lot of fighting. That was just part of the game. Um, but competitiveness has always been there, and I think back to the 2010 draft. And I've had this conversation with Stu McGregor. You might have seen Stu in Kamloops during the Memorial Cup. The orders passed on Brendan Gallagher in the fourth round, and uh, they, you know, they, they took Taylor Hall in round one. Uh, they took Pitlick first pick in the second round, um, and then they ended up with guys like uh, they took Ryan Martindale third round. Never played an NHL game. Curtis Hamilton got it. his dad Bruce Hamilton owns the Kelowna Rockets. Curtis is working there now. Uh, and then Martin Marincin was a was a pick as well. Um, the fourth round pick they drafted they never signed. And in Gallagher's case, I thought it was a he was a lock to play yeah. at that size. Did you guys kind of feel? Did you think that there was enough compete that he was going to? Because he's a he's a, a, a smaller guy. He's now he's not. He's not thin, but because he, he's a, he's got a stocky build, but he's probably what five eight and a half, maybe one hundred ninety pounds. Were you were you guys pretty certain that he was going to will himself to the NHL?
1: Well, we didn't really. Again, he just sort of kept doing it. But I have to tell you a story about Elmer Benning, one of the great hockey guys ever. And uh, Elmer was, we worked with him in Tri-Cities when we started, and he was, I think, the longest-serving Montreal Canadian scout. Right. So Brendan Gallagher is up for a Rookie of the Year nomination. I see Elmer in the rink, and I go up to him, give him an attaboy, like, congratulations. For a scout, you know, you have a 20-year-old who's up for Rookie of the Year. And he looked at me and said, you know, Jerry... I watched Brandon play lots. He goes, every time I walked in to see him play, I said to myself, there's no way I'm drafting a five-foot-nine guy. We're already too small. And then I would watch him, and he was the best player on the ice. And he his, his said to me, I didn't want to draft him. I had to draft him. And that was a great line. Yeah. And Brandon Gallagher just willed his way and eventually he was recognized and has had a great career. Elmer Benning uh, drafted
0: Robin Sadler, top 10 pick for the Montreal Canadiens. Never, he didn't play pro hockey. He ended up being, I think he's a firefighter out in BC, but played for the Edmonton Oil Kings back in the day. Uh, God rest his soul to uh, the late, great Elmer Benning, the grandfather of uh, Matt Benning, former Edmonton Oiler Brian Benning as well. It's so 149, we'll wrap up Oilers now after I tell you that Royal Pizza, pizza pass and so much more. You can get free two-liter Cokes with a purchase of a $35 or more online. It's a free two-liter Coke, singular, with a purchase of $35 or more online at royalpizza.com. Visit the Royal Pizza app online as well. Come back with this day in orders history and a little bit more with Jerry Johansson when we return. All right, we have Jerry Johansson in studio from the Sports Corporation. Uh, We'll quickly go into this day in orders history. I remember it well. It is brought to you by New West Travel. A reminder, we've got our Nashville travel trip coming up on the 17th of October. Last time we went to Nashville on orders now with New West Travel, we had 75 people make the trip. Uh, I pulled a uh, all-nighter that night. Yeah, I did the uh, wraparound. And... Uh, could have sworn I felt like uh, the next day I drank with all 75 of those people. But you can uh, book your vacation today at newwesttravel.com if you want to join us on our orders now roadie to Smashville. Going back on this date in 2008, some might say this was the test. Here's Brendan Escott. Steve Tambellini is named GM of the Oilers after the team promoted Kevin Lowe to president of hockey operations. After five tough years at the helm, Tambellini let go and replaced by Craig McTavish. All right, Jerry, I'm going to put you on the
1: spot. What was Tambi like to deal with? Oh, just a real gentleman. Yeah, yeah. like a really nice man, smart. Yeah, really professional. Yeah. So yeah, he was he was yeah. not easy to deal with. But yeah, he was a, he, he was a
0: nice fella. Um, I don't, you know what? There's different degrees of driving people, and Steve was a gifted. Pe- I don't know if people know this. He was a hell of a junior player and had a decent NHL career. Um, we've seen a movement in the last couple of years. Uh, Florida Panthers, Bill Zito. Now he did spend some time with Columbus as an assistant GM before he became GM. He had a smaller boutique-sized agency, uh, and then Kent Hughes. You talked about him with Montreal. Our, you know, he had, his uh, agency's Cortex, is that who he was with? Correct. Yeah. Uh, it's not, I mean, Pete Shirelli back in the day at one time was uh, a lower, you know, was not a, a primary part of an agency, but was a support guy in an agency. Is there a reason why maybe agents can do, does it, you
1: know, does, is there a reason why they might have a chance to have some success in management? Well, I think so. I mean, I think we're, you know, completely into the hockey business. And, yeah. I, and I think we're really in the business side of it. Um, you know, and I, I think that, you know, so are the hockey teams. But, you know, I think we're, we really mirror um, an NHL team. Like, my right-hand man in the office is Manny. My right-hand man in the field is Scott. That would be my two you assistant know, GMs two assistant GMs 100% and then we have a staff and, and our whole goal is to build a team and so we we just evaluate probably a little differently yeah we, we are involved in training and development and and then we're really involved in the transition of players to pro yeah. on a very personal level where I think with teams, you know, until you draft a guy, you don't know you have him. Right. And then he comes to development camp. So we're probably three or four years ahead um, with some of our players by the time they get there. Yeah.
0: Uh, what about just the simple fact, how many, you got players with how many different teams? I, I might be able to look that up on the fly here, but at least 15 different teams, right? Off the top. Let's see. You got uh, you got Montreal. You got four contracts there. Three at the Oilers. Three in Dallas. Three in Columbus. Three in Tampa. Three in Chicago. Uh, three in. In Seattle, So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You have uh, seven organizations with three or more players with, probably 15 different teams. Can you learn best of practices from all these different organizations in certain regards?
1: Yeah, and remember, we deal with every team all the time, too. So we're dealing with every team always. You yeah. know? And so, yeah, you do learn, you know, you do see best practices. You see, you know, style. And, and we're in the, you know, we're in the... You're in the people business, too, man. We're in the people business. And we do get the benefit of watching teams make good moves and mistakes which I respect aren't easy to do. They have to make decisions in the moment and they're held accountable. Right. My mistakes don't get reported by the media. theirs do. I don't have press conferences after, you know, July 1. Teams do. So, but you do get to see and style and strategy and just sort of, you know, everything from the development model, how they bring their players in, what they do when they sign them all those things in our business is really important. Jerry Johansson
0: from the Sports Corporation, final word. Uh, you know, there's. Uh, we might even have some guys out there right now that have got uh, some kids that are headed down the path of uh, perhaps making a decision at some point between maybe junior and NCAA, but just uh, about, you know, the
1: importance of relationships. Well, it's, it's, it's huge, and I'll give the uh, parents... Grant Point, I met him game two in Toronto, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay was getting crushed. Grant was calm, which is unusual. So I was asking him, why are you so zen? And he told me a story about uh, McDonough's dad giving him advice about, I stressed about all this all these years, and I shouldn't have. I regret it. And But the bottom line was, everything is important, and nothing matters. And I think people get up in the, everything, get caught up in the everything's important part, and they forget once it's over, it doesn't matter. And that's probably the best advice I have.
0: Wow. Uh, I'll have to think about that one. I can tell you coming up, it's uh, Jerry Johansson from the Sports Corporation. Coming up on tomorrow, uh, one of the most plugged-in men in the business for our friends at Horse Racing Alberta Live, uh, Thoroughbred Racing Fridays and Saturdays out at Century Mile, live standard bed racing Sunday afternoon at Track on 2 in Lacombe, post-time 2.15, daily face-offs, Frank Cervelli, Reed Wilkins will have, obviously, a lot more tonight, Brendan, on uh, developments around the Edmonton Elks today. Well, that's exactly right. Beyond that, though, it uh, appears to be a fluid show okay, all right. for now. Okay, up next, the Global News Weather Traffic Update with Randy Kilburn followed by Rob Breckenridge from 2 to 3 and Chelsea on Chad from 3 to 6. Back at you tomorrow at noon.